All right, if you want to go ahead and find your seats. Well, welcome to Redeeming Grace Church. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is good to be with you today, this Thanksgiving weekend and the beginning of this Advent season. Uh, I missed being with you last week as my family was, was out of town, but it's good to be back with you, worshiping you, worshiping with you, not worshiping you, uh, worshiping with you uh, this morning. So we're going to be opening up to Matthew chapter 11, and if you have a Bible, go ahead and flip open to that. If you don't actually own a Bible, uh, I just want to let you know, we, we have copies for you. We'd love to give you one. Uh, you can find them in the back uh, here today, but if you, if you need one so that you can have God's word throughout the week, let us know. Let somebody here know. We'd love to be able to give one of those to you so you can take it home uh, and have it throughout the week. But Jenny's going to be reading our text this morning, so listen to Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you've made yourself known to us, that we don't have to wonder about your character and your nature. God, we thank you for your many blessings, your unending grace that you've given to us in and through Jesus. God, we thank you for the gift it is to gather together as your people today. And so God, I pray that as we open up your word now, that you'd bless us, that you'd help us to understand who you are, that you'd help us to see and savor Christ today. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help these words, not just to be in our ears or in our minds, but impact our hearts and then our lives as we go out from this place. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, over the last two years, uh, all of us have had to get used to something. Zoom. Right? Having meetings on Zoom. I mean, the company and technology has been around for a really long time, but it wasn't until we all had to stay home that pretty much every human being in the modern world created, if you didn't already have one, a Zoom account. I mean, even my kids were on Zoom or something like it for school. Now, as much as a lot of us don't like it, maybe some of you even despise it at this point, Zoom or any other familiar product, I, I am thankful that we have it. I mean, I can't imagine going through what we've been through without having some way, some ability to engage with one another, to interact with others. But that being said, it just isn't the same as being in person with someone, is it? I mean, when someone literally phones it in, and when we miss part of who they are, we miss a part of what they're like. And it's one of the things that's been so hard about the last couple of years now, or almost at that two-year mark, and we've missed that aspect of community. We miss that aspect of being in person with someone, with those that aren't able to gather with us even today. We're missing something. There's power in physical presence. God created us, wired us to be physically present with one another. Well, as I mentioned earlier, today is the first Sunday of Advent, a time in the church calendar that we focus on the arrival or the advent of Jesus. And while this may be something that we acknowledge, maybe something that we celebrate, this year we want to take some time to slow down, to really think on what it means that Jesus didn't phone it in, that Jesus didn't hop on Zoom, that Jesus didn't remain distant, that Jesus came to us. Jesus came to us as one of us to rescue us. The Bible says his name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that's not only cosmically significant news, it's life-shaping for you. 
and for me. It affects your future, but it also affects your present reality. But it isn't just because Jesus went to the cross for people in need of a savior. It's also about who Jesus is and how he relates to you even now. You and I live in a challenging world. We live in a challenging time. We find ourselves feeling disconnected and divided. And with that can come discouragement. And with that can come disillusionment with one another, with the church, with even ourselves. Our world needs hope and our world needs help. And the reality is so do we. Even if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, we all need hope, we all need help in the midst of this messy world and messy life. That's why I love that it's Advent. That's why I love that we're gonna take a few weeks to do this sermon series in this season of Advent because this season is remembering, the season of reflecting on the coming of King Jesus actually helps you to hold fast. It helps you to hold fast and move forward in faith, not in fear. So over the next few Sundays, leading up to and including Christmas Eve, we're going to open up God's word to various places in the New Testament and see a savior, see a king who didn't phone it in, but shared his life and shared his heart with us and for us. I'm hopeful that God will use this Advent season and this sermon series in your life in a, in a unique way, whether you've known and followed Jesus for a long time, whether you're just checking out who he is. Or maybe you find yourself this morning feeling discouraged or distracted. Maybe you're full of joy right now, or maybe you find yourself feeling apathetic. Maybe you're full of faith right now, or some of you are finding yourself doubting what this is all about. My hope is, is that no matter where you're at, that you'll experience a deep comfort and a peace in the midst of all of it, as you see the real and risen Jesus in his heart for you. So with that, let's dive into Matthew chapter 11 this morning, and may God bless the preaching of his word. You know, it's always a little weird to, to drop into a sermon text when we're not in a, a book of the Bible where you've, we've just covered the verses in the previous week. And so it can be a little bit, uh, uh, you know, discombobulating, not exactly sure what's going on. So before we get into these three verses we're going to look at, I just want to give us a little bit of context about what's been happening in uh, this book, in the gospel of Matthew, before we get to our verses today. Immediately, Jesus has been teaching. He's been teaching and preaching. The Sermon on the Mount comes right before this. He's been teaching about the good news of the kingdom of God. This idea about God's redemptive rule and reign. That God's kingdom is timeless and extends beyond all borders and, and physical uh, limitations to all of the universe, to all of the world. And Jesus has been teaching about God's redemptive rule and reign, about the kingdom of God, what it is, and what it looks like for his people to live in it. Then right before our text today, Jesus actually denounces the people and places that have rejected him and his offer of grace, his offer of this kingdom. People who don't want anything to do with him or anything to do with his kingdom. He's also prayed that God would reveal the truth of the kingdom, not to the worldly wise, but to little children. Now, he doesn't mean literally little kids, though it certainly could include them. He means those who will receive the truth of the gospel of the kingdom of God in simple faith, taking Jesus at his word. And he's declared that it's in and through him that the Father is made known. Jesus has come to reveal and explain God to us. And he has done so by being God with us. Which brings us to our three verses today. 
These three verses have had a huge impact on my own life, been a blessing to me, an encouragement to me, and I hope they will be for you as well. Three verses that are headlined by an invitation. Now, we've all received invitations before in life, whether it's to a birthday party or a wedding or some other kind of event. We've all received invitations. Sometimes they come in, in paper format. Sometimes they come in electronic format. But every invitation has a few basic elements. Every invitation will tell us who the invitation is for and who it's from. They'll also tell you what you're actually being invited to. And what does almost every invitation ask you to do? RSVP, right? RSVP. Now, I know some of you are notorious non-responders. I know it. I know it. It's just the reality of who you are. But I think we can all agree that most invitations warrant a response. They're asking you to respond. I mean, even a non-response in a way is a response. And we see all of these elements of the invitation in Jesus' invitation here in this text. So what is it that Jesus is inviting us to? He gives us three simple words. He says, come to me, come to me. I love this. Jesus's invitation is not an assent to a set of beliefs. It's not a agreeing with a proposition. It's an invitation to relationship. It's an invitation to know and be known, to love and be loved. It's an invitation to trust and to follow, to come to Jesus. Now, who is this invitation for? Well, he's already told us that the kingdom of God has been revealed not to those who are wise by the world's standards, but to little children. And here he makes it even more explicit. It's an invitation, not for the qualified. It's an invitation, not for those who are put together. He says it's for all who labor and are heavy laden. All who labor and are heavy laden. Labor isn't so much about actual work, but those who are weary from living and doing. In fact, some translations even use the word weary instead of labor. To be heavy laden is about having a lot on your back, like carrying a heavy load, being weighed down. If you've ever gone on a backpacking trip or some of you that have been in the military and had to carry heavy packs on your back and walk long distances, being weighed down, maybe carrying furniture on your back, something where you just feel like, man, I, I don't know if I can continue on with all this weight I have. This invitation to come to Jesus is for anyone wearied by life's burdens. Now, in the immediate context, it's those that are wearied by the crushing religious burden that's been put on people by religious leaders. But man, the world is a wearying and burdensome place, isn't it? Have you ever felt wearied and burdened? Do you feel that way now? As you think about your life, think about your week, think about your experience. Listen, some of you really need to hear this. Jesus is inviting you to himself. He's inviting you to himself. It is inviting you not once you've figured it out, not once you've gotten it all together, not once you've cleaned yourself up, not once you've figured out how to manage your life, not after you've met certain requirements. As one pastor said, we often come to God with, look at all I've done or look at how much I've suffered. But that's not what Jesus' invitation requires. He says to come to him, all you need is need. All you need is nothing. And what happens when you come to Jesus? Look at verse 28. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
This is an invitation to rest. Now, you and I live in a frenetic place. A lot of us live hurried lives. We're always going from this thing to that thing. We're late to the next thing because we were late to this thing and we're just constantly moving around, just always on the go. And that can be difficult. That can be taxing not only on our bodies, but on our very souls. Let me ask you, are you, any of you feeling overwhelmed today? Exhausted with all this going on in life or around you? Some of you may feel weary. Some of you may feel tired. A lot of us feel both. Hear Jesus' words to you. Come to me and find rest in me. Later in verse 30, he says it's rest for your soul. That's a very spiritual word, kind of a churchy word, soul. And what exactly does that mean? Where your soul is the essence of who you are. It's your, your inner life. Your soul is the eternal part of you. It's what sets you apart from the rest of creation. It's what makes you different than the trees outside and your dog. So you have a soul. You have an ability to have a relationship with the living God. And in a world that's wrecked by sin, in a world that's racked with difficulty, it can wear on the deep parts of who you are. With the constant noise and the demands of the world to be like this and do this or do that in order to find joy and peace and freedom, you can start to feel your very humanity becoming dismantled and distorted. A breaking apart of the core of who you are. It's like a tug of war. You feel pulled this way and that way, not sure how you're going to be able to endure. If that's you now or you in the future, hear Jesus' invitation again. Come to me and find rest for your soul. But Jesus' invitation to find rest isn't about an all-inclusive, all-expenses-paid vacation. It's not an invitation to sit back and do nothing in this life. Jesus' invitation to refreshment and renewal is so you can continue on. So you can continue on. You and I are on a journey. Our life is a journey. And Jesus has called us to, to walk the narrow path that leads to life, not the wide way that leads to destruction. And listen, if you're going to make it, you have to take him up on this. Not just once, but regularly, this invitation. But how is this actually possible? I mean, lots of people and lots of products promise you rest. They promise you refreshment. They promise you renewal. Take these pills, then you'll get rest. Drink this drink, then you'll get rest. Do these stretches, do these exercises, then you'll be satisfied, then you'll be refreshed. Go on these vacations, do these extracurricular activities, then, then you'll find refreshment and rest. But how can Jesus make a claim like this? How can Jesus make a claim and extend an invitation like this and actually back it up and actually come through with what he says he's promising here? It's possible, we can't miss this, it's possible because it's an invitation to rest that's rooted in the heart of Christ. It's an invitation to rest that's rooted in the heart of Christ. Look at the beginning of verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What does this mean? Well, a yoke is a tool. It's usually a wooden frame that's used in one of two ways. It can be put on an animal to keep it in line and on task. We've got these nice animals here, right? They could be pulling a wagon or plowing a field. And this yoke across their necks keeps them in line, keeps them moving in the direction that they're supposed to be moving. 
A yoke can also be used by a person to help distribute weight, like carrying two heavy buckets. You could attach buckets on the end of those strings to kind of distribute the weight across your shoulders so that you can more easily carry them. Well, in Jesus' time, both uses implied servitude, implied having a master. They implied being given direction by someone to do something. Now, a yoke in and of itself isn't bad. It can be useful. It can be helpful. The difference is who is the yoke from? Who's the yoke from? See, the character of the master matters. Is he good or bad? Is he kind or harsh? So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, we need to know about his character. We need to know about his disposition towards us. So what does he say? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Now this is the only place in the New Testament that Jesus explicitly mentions his heart. And we talked about the heart a few weeks ago. When the Bible talks about the heart, it isn't the the muscle that pumps blood throughout your body. Your heart is where the motivational structure of your life resides. From it flow your will and your emotions, your actions, your belief and your conscience. Your heart and your soul interact with one another. And so all of the things that Jesus could tell us about his heart, all of the things he could try and relate to us to tell us about who he is at the core of his being, what does he tell us? He says, I'm gentle and lowly, gentle and lowly. And what exactly do those things mean? Well, sometimes hearing the opposite of something can help give definition. So the opposite of gentle and lowly is harsh and arrogant. It's being unkind and proud. And no one wants to be around people like that. No one wants to be be led by people like that. I can say that because I've been that way towards others. By God's grace, I hope I'm moving more and more to have the heart of Christ towards those that God has entrusted to me. We see this in Jesus. He's relating this idea of gentleness to us. Sometimes that's translated meek. It has the sense of calmness and care and patience. Jenna mentioned earlier we're giving away a book called Gentle and Lowly. And I'd really encourage you to pick this book up if you haven't already. We have lots of copies available for you on the table. I'd encourage you to pick it up actually read it, right? I have lots of books on my bookshelf I never actually read. Like pick it up and actually read it. Let me encourage you how to read it. Read it slowly. Read it one chapter at a time. Take time to think on it. Read it with someone else. Invite someone who doesn't yet know Jesus to read it with you. This book in my own life has been super encouraging and super impactful because it's helped me to understand how Jesus relates to me even now. The author, Dane Ortland says this in his book about the gentleness of Christ. He says, the posture most natural to him, the posture most natural to Jesus is not a pointed finger, but open arms. That's what it means that he's gentle towards you. Now lowly overlaps with his gentleness. Lowly is often translated humble. What it means is, is that Jesus isn't self-seeking. Jesus isn't proud. Jesus isn't boastful. And the amazing thing in his lowliness is, is that it makes Jesus accessible. 
mean, this is crazy to think about this and who Jesus actually is. Jesus, the eternal son of God, who's existed for all eternity in perfect community with the Father and the Spirit, who's transcendent, who's high and lifted up, who has all the character and attributes of the essence of God, is also imminent. He's come near to us. He is God with us. We're able to interact with him, to have accessibility, to come before him, even though he's the king of kings and the king of all creation. And it's in his gentleness and humility that led him willingly and joyfully to not only come dwell among us, but to go to the cross for us. Listen to Philippians chapter 2. In this text, Paul is calling us to be like Jesus. Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, though he was God himself, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. What did he do? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus the very son of God, who's experienced all the glory. We just sang about this, all the riches of heaven. He entered into this mess. He came into this world. He entered into the darkness of this world and he was tempted like we are, yet never sinned. And walked in perfect obedience to the Father all the way to the cross, taking the, your place on that cross to rescue out of all of it, to rescue out of the darkness, to rescue out of the weariness, to rescue out of your rebellion. That's what we celebrate at Advent. Jesus has come to save his people from their sins. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He has come, and man, we long for him to come again. We long for him to come again where he will make all things new. Because right now we still experience the brokenness of this world. We long for him to come again, but why is it that we long for him to come again? Not just because he's going to make everything right, but because we know who he is. We know what his character is. We know what his heart towards us is. Jesus isn't distant. Jesus isn't proud. He's not an oppressive master. He is gentle and lowly in heart toward you. That's what defines him. That's what directs his life and actions specifically toward you. Man, it's so counter to the ways of the world, particularly those we elevate as leaders and experts. There's no brashness in Jesus. Jesus doesn't flex on you. Jesus doesn't put you in your place. Jesus doesn't crush you. Jesus confronts you and conforms you. He, He comforts you and he cares for you. And he does so with gentleness and humility. Those make up both his attitude and his actions. It's the core of who he is. It's what sets him apart from us because he's consistent in it. See, his whole invitation to come to him and find rest for your soul, to take his yoke and learn from him is rooted in this. This is about who Jesus is really. And it matters because who he is affects how you relate to him and him to us. He isn't distant and aloof. He came to dwell among us. And in his dwelling among us, he showed his heart for us and towards us. To those who will come to him, to those who will take his yoke and learn from him, Man, if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we can chafe against that. That idea of taking a yoke on ourselves and, and following after someone. Because the reality is we, we don't like to be ruled. We don't like to be under authority. We like the idea, as we think we do, of independence, of being on our own. 
What that shows you about yourself is that you don't actually understand yourself and your need. You want to go your own way, but that's not how God created you, how he wired you. You and I were made to be led. And so when you won't be led by God, you'll go looking for leadership in life and other places. You, you go looking for someone else's yoke to put on. How do I know this? Because we all do things to help carry the load of life. Nobody really, as independent as you might think you are, are really self-sufficient. We seek out tools and helps. We look for wisdom and leadership in other places. But all of those things will not prove helpful or restful for you. See, in Jesus' day, the yoke was a metaphor for the law of God. And the religious leaders were oppressive yoke masters. They would heap burdens upon burdens on God's people as they sought to obey the law. And it was tiring to them. It was overwhelming to them. There can still be oppressive religious legalism in our day, but what's also at play and probably more often is the oppressiveness of the laws that we create for ourselves or the world is seeking to impose on us. I don't mean like in the, the legal books, I mean the laws and boxes we have to check, the idea that you need to perform a certain way or make certain accomplishments and don't be a failure and you better measure up the right way or you need to look a certain way, have a certain kind of hair, a certain kind of clothes, have certain kind of material things in order to be able to be accepted. We live in a culture that says, focus on yourself, do whatever you have to do, live your truth, you do you. Meet those requirements, meet those laws, do whatever you have to do. We live in a culture that says sexuality rules the day and sexual pleasure is the thing to pursue. Whatever that means for you, go after it. So much of what the world does in placing these burdens on you is it's tied to your identity. They are telling you who you are. But Jesus is offering you a better way. See, the yoke of the world is heavy. It's difficult. The yoke of the world is tiring, but Jesus is offering you a better way. He says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Why? Because it's rooted in his gentle and lowly heart towards you. Listen, Jesus' invitation is about lordship. It's about lordship. He's inviting you to be remastered. And in doing that, to experience real rest at the depth of your soul. To be given a new identity as a new creation where it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you and Christ who lives through you. This is possible through grace. This is possible through forgiveness to be made clean and made new in Christ. It's what is restful for your soul. Now, this is an invitation that warrants a response. Warrants a response. So if you haven't come to him, if you haven't responded to this invitation, and you're still seeking to go your own way, hear again Jesus' invitation. Come to me. Come to me and find rest. Now, for those of you who are already following Jesus, who've already come to him, this invitation remains. See, coming to Jesus is not a one-time thing. It's a lifelong thing. My fear is that sometimes some of you have forgotten Jesus' heart towards you. See, it's one thing to know doctrines about Christ, but an entirely different thing to know Christ and be known by him. Dane Ortland again, from Gentle and Lowly, says this, you might know that Christ died and rose again on your behalf to rinse you clean of all your sin, but do you know his deepest heart for you? 
How would you honestly answer that question? When you think about your own life. Sometimes I think that we think or believe, sure, Jesus comes close to us, but he comes holding his nose. Like he's disgusted with us. He's just putting up with us because that's what the father asks him to do, but he doesn't really like us. He doesn't really care that much about us. It's just part of his role. And I know I've wrestled with that before. I've thought that way about Christ, that yes, I know you have to love me, you have to accept me because that's who you are, but do you really want to? Do you really care? But that's not his heart towards you at all. Listen, none of you have to wonder how Jesus feels about you. You know, if you've come to him in faith, his posture towards you is grace upon grace upon grace, now and forever. You and I will be tempted to search for soul rest in so many things. The world is constantly peddling this to you, even during this Christmas season. And our own hearts are often led astray, but everything else you seek rest in or rest from will eventually disappoint you because none of it can do what only God can do. This invitation to rest that's rooted in the heart of Christ is the only way you can find rest for your weary soul in this life. Soul rest comes by following him. It comes by learning from him, him who is gentle and lowly in heart. So this Advent season, take Jesus up on his invitation. Take him up on his invitation. See if what he says is actually true. Are you laboring, weary, heavy laden, burdened? Come to him. Are you tired, weighed down by the cares of life, the cares of this world? Come to him. Are you unsure or uncertain about what tomorrow may bring? Come to him. Come to him in faith. Turn away from whatever else you've been putting your hope in and place your faith and your trust in him. Come to him in and through his word, his living and active word. Read the gospel of John. Read the gospel of Matthew. Hear the words of Jesus to you. Come to him in prayer. Talk to him. Share your heart. Share your emotions with him and all the things that you're wrestling with, knowing his heart towards you. Come to him in and through his people. There's a room full of spirit-filled people here. And we can help one another remember Christ's heart towards us. Jesus' heart towards you is what's going to keep you going. It's going to keep you moving forward, giving you peace, giving you hope in the midst of all the ups and downs of life because you know that he is with you and he is for you. So during this Advent season, my hope is, is that you would really see and experience the heart of Jesus towards you. That's what we're going to be spending time talking about over these next few weeks is the heart of Christ towards you. And that not only would give you great hope and great peace, but it would actually compel you to go and tell the world. The world is in desperate need of hope, in desperate need of help, to tell the world about your great Redeemer, who is gentle and lowly in heart. Friends, this invitation is for saints, it's for sinners, it's for sufferers. Do you find yourself in any of those categories? Then come to him. Come to him and find rest for your soul.